Welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions. Hi, this is Pastor Tom Holliday, and we are beginning today a study in the book of 1 John. And those of you that are a part or have listened before to these Daily Drive Time Devotions, you can listen to them whether you're driving or working or whatever you're doing. Know that we take 10 minutes a day, five days a week, to look at a chapter of the Bible each week. And we go through a book at a time. And the book that we're starting right now is the book of 1 John. It's an incredible, awesome book. Of course, I'd say that about any book in the Bible. It's a book about how God's light and love and life change our lives. And before talking more about who wrote this book, I want to begin just from the very top of our study of this book to talk together about why it was written. John, the writer of this book, says that he wrote it for five specific reasons. As you walk through the book, there are five times when he says, I wrote this that you may have this, that this might happen in your life. What are those five things? In chapter 1, verse 3, he says, I'm writing that you may have fellowship with one another. This is a book about how to relate to other believers, other people that are in following Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 1, verse 4, John says that your joy might be complete. This is a book about how joy happens in our everyday lives. And it might surprise you as we walk through this book about how joy happens. We always want to focus on ourselves to find joy, and you never find it there. Never find it there. In chapter 2, verse 1, John writes, I'm writing this book that you might not sin. It's a book to protect us against temptation and against the choice to sin in our lives. In chapter 2, verse 26, he says, I am writing that you might be on guard against error. Truth is what brings light into our lives, but error, the, the false truth about God, is what can destroy our lives. So John says, I'm writing that you might be on guard against error. And then there's a fifth reason that John says he writes this letter, and that is that you will know, that those who read it will know that you have eternal life. Now, that last one really heads toward two major reasons that John wrote this book. He wants you to know, and he wants you to love. He wants you to know, and he wants you to love. We know. That, that's assurance. The word know is used 36 times in this letter, this short letter of John. But he also wants you to love. The word love is used 36 times in this short letter. We know we have the assurance, but we also love. We have the action in our lives. It's interesting. John's gospel, the same John who wrote this letter of 1 John is the one who wrote the gospel of John in the New Testament. John's gospel, the major purpose of that gospel is belief. In John 20, 31, he says, I'm writing that you might believe. But here we find that the major reason for John's letter is assurance and action. I'm writing, he says, so that you might know and so that you might love, so that you might be assured of your faith and you might act on your faith. And, and that's my prayer for me and for you as we walk through this book together, that God will do those things in our lives. He'll give us a new assurance of our faith, that because of our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, we do have a relationship with him. And if you haven't begun a relationship with him, I, I'm praying that as we walk through this book, you'll begin that relationship and then have that assurance the rest of your life. And then also that we will love. God gives us this assurance for a reason, not just for our own sake, but so that we can take that confidence that we have in our relationship with him and build on that as a foundation to love the people in our lives, love the people that God loves. Now, with that in mind, these reasons that John wrote the book, the fact that we're to know and we're to love, let me tell you a little bit about John, the man through whom the Spirit inspired this letter. In fact, let me tell you four or five things about John. John was a disciple. John was an older man. John was an eyewitness. John was a pastor. 
you want to know who this man is, that's who this man is as he's writing this letter. John was a disciple. He's one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus Christ. You might remember in his gospel, the gospel of John, John refers to himself often as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Some people think that's prideful. Wow, he loved me and he didn't love anybody else. It's not prideful at all. Instead of using his name, John just referred to himself as someone whom Jesus loved because that was the major identifier of his life. More than anything else, he saw himself as someone who was loved by Jesus Christ. He was a disciple. He'd walked with Jesus Christ those three years, and then he'd begun to live his life for Christ. And by the time this letter is written, John was an older man. In fact, by the time he writes this, he's probably the only surviving apostle, the only surviving one of the original 12 that Jesus called and who, who walked with him. And as I think about that, this long life that John lived, this long life of faith, I think about all that had happened to John between the end of Jesus' life, at the end of the Gospel of John, and now as we pick up at the beginning of this letter. Remember, John was asked by Jesus to take care of his mother. So he'd taken Mary into his home, and until her death, John had taken care of Mary. Can you imagine the stories that he'd heard about Jesus? Can you imagine the discussion they'd had about the resurrection and the new church? In fact, John had also been involved in the rapid expansion of this new church in Jerusalem and then out from Jerusalem. John, later in his life, had also had an extensive ministry to the churches of Ephesus and the Lycus Valley. He'd actually become a pastor to an entire region. John, you might remember as a disciple, was known as someone who was a uh, son of thunder. That was one of the nicknames that was given to James and John, two of the disciples of Jesus. They were angry young men. They were men who, uh, well, one time a city didn't want to follow Jesus, and James and John said, Jesus, should we call down fire and destroy it? Wouldn't that be great that you have the feeling they felt? But by the time John writes this letter, he's known as an apostle of love. He's got a heart of, of pastor towards the people. Now, in John's life, we also know that he faced persecution. He was imprisoned on an island named Patmos. In John's life, he was revealed some great things. In fact, the book of Revelation is recorded by John. There's so many spiritual experiences that this man had in his life because he was a follower of Jesus Christ. And he takes all of those experiences and he distills them as he writes this letter about what is most important in our lives. John was a disciple. He was an older man. He was an eyewitness. He wrote authoritatively to give a new generation of believers confidence in their faith. Now, many by now were second or even third generation Christians. They didn't see Jesus Christ. They weren't even saved just a year or two after Jesus Christ, but they'd heard about Jesus Christ from someone who'd been saved. And maybe even they'd heard of Jesus Christ from someone who'd been saved by someone who had told someone who had been saved. And John writes to these people, and he wants to let them know that what they'd heard from someone who'd heard from someone is real. In fact, by this point in the church, the power of tradition had begun to set in in some places. And John writes to let them see the fresh breath of life about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. John was an eyewitness. He was a disciple. He was an older man. He was a pastor. Even as he pastored those churches, he's also pastoring us as we read this letter. In fact, his motivation for writing is his concern for God's children. And that's me. That's you. We're God's children. And it's like, it's like you have this older man in the faith who has seen it all, experienced it all, sitting down in a chair face to face with you and saying, let me tell you about what's really important. Let me tell you about what's really going to last. 
Let me tell you about God's love in your life and your love for other people. The problem in the day that John wrote, as I indicated a moment ago, was not so much persecution by the world, although that was there, but the biggest problem in the church was compromise with the world. It wasn't persecution that was destroying the message of the church. It never does. It was compromise that was destroying the message of the church. There were people within the church trying to make Christianity intellectually respectable, a false teaching by the name of Gnosticism that we'll talk about more as we go through this study. But the point is this. Satan had very quickly discovered that a better strategy than persecution for destroying the message of the church was this this strategy of pride, trying to make us so prideful that we have to be respectable to the world. The truth of the matter is, sometimes the truth is not respectable. The cross is not a respectable place, but the truth is life-changing. The problem in John's day was not that people were trying to destroy the faith, but people were trying to improve on the faith and make it look just a little bit better. So John writes to say, here's what's real. Here's how to live. Now, the next couple of days, I'd like to give you a couple of outlines of 1 John. How do you think about this letter? So that as we walk into it, we have a sense of what we're going to hear, what God's going to do in our lives. Uh, the first outline, I'd say, as you look at John, is an outline of seven contrasts. In, in a time when the church is being tempted to compromise, John writes to let them know that Christianity is a sharply defined faith. Can you imagine Jesus saying in response to somebody's question, well, that's sort of a gray area. We can't really be sure about that. No, Jesus had clear answers. Jesus had clear truth. And in John, you see these contrasts, seven of them. Number one is the contrast of light and darkness and how God can bring his light into our lives. Number two is the contrast of love for God the Father versus love for the world and how love for God can transform our lives. A third contrast in chapter two is the contrast between Christ and Antichrist. Antichrist, now there's a word to get your interest. In this letter, John talks about the Antichrist. He tells us who the Antichrist is in this letter. And there's this contrast between Christ and Antichrist that we'll see when we get to chapter two. Also in chapter 2, going into chapter 3, there is the contrast between right works and evil works. In chapter 4, there is the contrast between the Spirit, the Spirit of God, versus the spirits, little s, the spirits of our own thoughts and our own ideas and the spirits of this world, true spirit versus the false spirits. In chapter 4, there is the contrast of love versus pretense. And then in chapter 5, there's a seventh contrast. The contrast of a relationship with Jesus versus no relationship with Jesus. Now, as you think about this book and you think about those contrasts, my question to you as we begin this study, and to me too, is how am I going to allow God to redefine my life through his word? And maybe you've been a believer for a long time and you think, oh, I've, I've heard all of this before. It doesn't make it any less true or any less powerful. I may have eaten a meal before, But if I get hungry, I'm going to need it again to give me the sustenance that I need. And we are hungry for God's word every day of our lives. And I believe for me and for you by faith that God wants to do something radical in our lives through our study of this book. He wants to make a difference. How does God want to bring new, sharply defined contrast of truth into your life? Begin to pray about that now. And as we walk into this book, as we walk into what God wants to do in our lives in this book, 
I want to begin together by talking to him. Would you pray with me? Our Father, in this book, you talk to us about light, your light, and love, your love, and life, your life. And I pray, I pray that as we walk through this book together, you would bring your light and your love and your life into new reality in our lives. Lord, if we're new to the faith, I pray we'd see an explosion in these very areas of our lives. Lord, if we've been in the faith for a long time, I pray we'd see an explosion, a new growth, a new step in these very areas of our lives. Lord, thank you that you're never through with us. Thank you that you always have growth for us. Help us to see you at work in amazing ways as we walk through your word together. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Join us tomorrow. We're going to continue our study of 1 John as we look at what's really real in verses 1 and 2.